Welcome to Kiwani Back When. I am Sean Cardan. With me, of course, Dave Clark. How you doing, Sean? Doing great, and you brought along a special guest. That's right, we have Brian Johnson here with us today. He was the uh, Parks and Recreation Director in Kiwani for 26 years, and he has some insights into our subject today. So here again, we brought in a consultant. I just hope he doesn't charge a consultant's fee for this when we're done here, you know. And well, do Sean it. and Dave, thanks for having me today. So <laughs> anyway. Dave, introduce our topic today. Okay, this is kind of different. Uh, I saw an obituary here a month or so ago about a, a woman who I remember, I don't remember her personally, but the name stuck out, and, uh, and I d did some looking into her story. I knew a little bit about it, but it was Mary Lou Kettridge, and she uh, was one of the original ball hawks um, in 1948. She was a pitcher. And uh, she uh, uh, married the newspaper editor, Chris Kettridge, and I'll tell you more about that later, uh, a, a couple of years after she got out of school. And, uh, and then they moved to Florida. And he was much older than she was, so they went down there, they became involved in the, uh, the Gulf American Land Corporation, which was building Cape Coral, literally. And they were in it, they're called pioneers. They call them, in the, this group of people down there, they call the pioneers. And they had a 26-year marriage. Uh, he died in 76. And then in 1981, she, 1991, she married a guy named Carl Griffin. And uh, he died in 2016, I think. But uh, in December, uh, she was apparently in a nursing home. It looked like a care center. It looked like in the obituary uh, down there in Cape Coral. And she passed away at age 96. But her amazing life, I tell you, it makes a good story, which is what I was telling you, Sean, before the program, is a lot of times it's nice to retell history, but it's nice to find some new things, you know, that, hey, nobody, there's probably very few, if any, people around there now uh, that remember, other than Brian here, that would remember, remember Mary Lou's name or anything about her. But she was, uh, she was born on a farm near Bradford, and she was one of seven children. There were two boys and, and uh, five girls, and uh, the two boys went off to war. And Mary Lou had to help her dad milk the cows uh, by hand because they had no electricity. And so that's where she was uh, milking the cows. That was when she was in high school. She graduated from Bradford High School in 1945. And, um, and then she joined the Ballhawks in 1948. I think she had a connection with Grace Larson. Grace's name comes up in some of her things about her wedding and stuff like that, um, which, which happened a few years later. But she um, uh, is interesting because she was milking cows. And I thought about a league of their own. Do you remember Gina, Gina Davis and, and Lori Petty? What were they doing when John Lovitz found them? They were milking cows. And Gino Davis was the pitcher. Maybe it's something about milking cows. That, <laughs> I'm just throwing that out. I, 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 I don't know. But anyway, uh, she joined the Ballhawks. Then she went to work for the Star Courier. And uh, uh, of course, Dot Larson, who's a good friend of both Brian's and mine, uh, would tell about how she turned it out like running ads and stuff there at the paper. She eventually became classified advertising manager. But she was only there a couple of years and she married the editor, a guy named Chris Kettridge. I think there might have been a baseball connection there too, because in his obituary, he owned like the Kiwani, or he was a part of the Kiwani Baseball Incorporated. Do you know anything about that early baseball years when he was involved in promoting baseball? So maybe that's where he got to know the Ballhawks and got to know her. I mean, pictures of him, he, he's the classic, classic newspaper guy. He's got a big stogie hanging out of his mouth and he's got his white shirt and tie hanging and he's sitting there banging away on a typewriter. And uh, he'd been working at the Star Courier well, his total career was 60 years. He started as a paper boy, graduated from Kiwani in 1910, and, and worked on and on and on, did all the big stories. He was married, and his first wife died in 45. So then along comes this bright, young, perky girl from Bradford, you know, who melts cows and is a, is a hot pitcher. Uh, Mary Lou was also, she was, 
in a day before Title IX, she was involved in a lot. Her name came up a lot on sports pages. Hmm. She was uh, in bowling leagues. She was a member of the Henry County YMCA uh, golf or um, basketball team. She was the high scorer with 27 points. You know, even before Caitlin Clark, she was tearing the world. So she liked sports. That's how she got in with the Ballhawks, I'm, I'm sure, and uh, with Grace Larson. But uh, so anyway, they were married. Um, let me look here. Uh, in 1950, they got married. So they would have been shortly after five years out of high school. She was married to him, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and a couple of years after she was in the Ballhawks. I'm not sure how long she stayed. Probably after she got married to him, she got out of the Ballhawks. I'm not sure. But anyway, in 61, they, they moved down to Florida and, uh, and got their, their uh, house going down there. Uh, but I can tell you more about that, that later. So that's a, basically the background on, on Mary Lou uh, Mary Lou Reed, her name was. She was uh, a Reed from Bradford. There's still a lot of Reeds over there. So maybe the listeners in Bradford might know, might know something about the family that uh, goes back. But, uh, but she often came back to Kiwani, and Brian uh, remembers her later when she came back with her husband Carl, I believe you said. So, and of course, I'm sure you heard Dot talking about, you know, Mary Lou and, and you know, uh, Wilma Thurman and all the, you know, Cookie Manson and all the yeah. people that were on the team then. But uh, uh, what, was your, what are some of your recollections about Mary Lou? Well, first of all, Dave, uh, tomorrow actually is uh, Dot Larson's birthday. Really? So happy heavenly birthday to Dot Larson tomorrow. Oh my gosh! Now how's that for picking a right, <laughs> the right day here? Good. You know, but uh, I, I met uh, Mary Lou Griffith and Carl Griffith uh, in the late '90s and and right around the 2000. Uh, Dot introduced me, and and we actually the three of us we went from a handshake to, to a hug to a kiss over <laughs> the next 20 years. And it, if you ever met Carl Griffith, I, I tell everyone, the man had the best handshake of anyone I've ever shook hands with in my life. He just made you feel good about yourself, just the way he shook your hand and looked at you. Uh, and actually, uh, Dave, I did, I did go down to Florida for Carl's uh, uh, funeral. Really? Yeah, I, in yeah. 2016. Mm -hmm. But uh, what but a, she was what still a, alive then, so you would have seen Mary Lou when you were there, probably. Yeah, Mary. Yeah. Was she doing okay then? Or? Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. she was doing fine then. Uh, but yeah, it was shortly after that she she moved into a nursing home and uh, um, we had uh, in the year 2000 or so we had uh, talked with uh, our lawyer, which was uh, John Blashinsky, and uh, her and her lawyer got together and and they put together what's called a charitable remainder trust. Oh, okay. So um, you know, and and the dollar figure was never really clear to me, but what was clear to me was. Uh, and she got most of her money through Chris Ketridge, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Carl had his own money, mm -hmm. and he, she wanted the money to come back to Kiwani somehow. Oh, really? You know, so, yeah, mm -hmm. so what they did is we set up a charitable remainder trust, which actually means that Mary Lou was going to live the rest of her life out uh, in the nursing home, mm -hmm. and assisted living, I should mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. She was very, very bright uh, right up till the end. And... Uh, we set up a charitable remainder trust, and, and I believe that uh, the, the end of that trust is when her estate is all settled, that her church down in Florida and the Kiwani Park District would actually receive half of what her, her estate is worth. So um, she's going to be definitely sending some money back to Kiwani, Illinois, and, and, and probably to the Park District uh, itself. Now, I retired from the Park District uh 2021 i want to mm -hmm. say and after 26 years of being there but uh for the last few years before uh mary lou passed away we, we made it a tradition to call each other every month 
uh, even when I wasn't with the park. Mm -hmm. it, it, we had turned into such good friends and just loved talking to her on the phone. She, mm -hmm. she uh, later on in life here, right at the end, she had a real uh, rough voice, you know, but it was just one, it was very distinct and, and we kept in touch and that, that was really cool. And I was out of Walmart one day and I got a call um, and actually, I don't know who it was that called me, but they did call and inform me that Mary Lou had passed mm -hmm. away. So uh, it, it was really a great relationship that, that the Kiwani Park District had with uh, Dot Larson, who was commissioner for 24 years, I mm -hmm. want to say, and, uh, and Mary Lou and Carl Griffith and, and uh, her fond times of, of being around this area. The fact that she still remembered Kiwani after all those years, yeah. you know. And what's amazing is how long, 35, well, no, it was, uh, what was it, 1950 to 1976, that would be um, 26. 26 years that they were married. Um, never had any kids, he was just an older guy. But uh, when they moved down to Florida, uh, looking at through that, there was an interview in one in the Coral, um, the Cape Coral Breeze is the newspaper. They had a big story on her when she died, and I think you found that too. You sent that, yeah, they sent sent that, that right. to, uh, to Diane Packey, and she sent it on to me. But uh, a lot of good stuff in there that they went down there in 19... Uh, actually, they went down... They, <laughs> there was, a, I was just telling Sean before the show, this is where they got the, the, the line about how you want to buy some swampland in Florida. You know, <laughs> There were people going through selling real estate up north here to, to develop Florida. Florida is like Las Vegas. It hadn't grown yet, you know. And this guy came through town selling real estate uh, in, in Florida. And uh, for some reason, Chris and, and Mary Lou, uh, the story was given that they wanted to go to a warmer climate. He was getting older and had some health problems and that sort of thing. And so this guy showed them some slides on their kitchen wall about this place in Cape Coral. So they went down and they bought a lot in 1957, moved there in, in 61. They got, they got a lot and built a, uh, a uh, uh, what was it? A uh, three-bedroom, two-bath house. Uh, it was it was fifty dollars down, fifty dollars a month for fifteen thousand dollars on the house on Dolphin Drive, and the house. I, I got to imagine that this is where they ought to put a plaque or something, because something happened in 1963, yeah. two years after they moved down there. Uh, 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 Mary Lou's job was kind of like a hostess and guide for this land company. She worked for them when they got down there. Chris went to work for the Coral, uh, Cape Coral Breeze. He was still in newspaper, and even though he retired, can't get the ink out of your blood, you know. And uh, <laughs> but she would. She was kind of a hostess. She the welcoming committee. She would take people around and show them Cape Coral and the lots, and you know she was kind of the guide for everything. And they had they would attract movie stars down there. Phyllis Diller, Jane Mansfield, Bob Hope, all flew into Florida, and she would show them around. You know the, the all the like we would show them the parks and the schools and it's nice stuff here in Kiwani. And uh, so one day, one of her co-workers was a guy named Connie Mack Jr. Does that name sound familiar? Oh yeah. Connie Mack was a Hall of Fame baseball manager and pitcher. Uh, and uh, his son uh, was working, Connie Mack Jr. was in Florida helping push Cape Coral off the, off the ground. And he worked with, uh, with Mary Lou. And he called Mary Lou one day and he said, how would you and Chris like to move out of your house? Well, what are you talking about? He said, well, we, there, there's a TV show coming into town and they're gonna be needing it for about six weeks. <laughs> so they, what they worked out was that uh, they would move them into the Nautilus Motel, which was the only motel at the time in Cape Coral, about 3,000 population, and they would pay for their motel, they would pay for their, all their meals at the Surfside restaurant and the whole nine yards if they would move out for six weeks and let the house over to a young actor from California named Martin Milner. And he was in a show called Route 66. 
<laughs> he and uh, and George Maharis were in a show. A lot of the old timers might remember that. And what they were doing in Florida, I don't know. They filmed two episodes, according to this story, in Cape Coral. So, and some of the episodes were filmed at the Nautilus Motel. So Chris and Mary Lou probably had to get out of the way while they, you know, <laughs> set up some of the shots. But anyway, I don't know whether Cape Route 66 Route 66 was nowhere near Florida. If you look at a map, yeah, it you know goes yeah. across country. Uh, so anyway, they were in Cape Coral, but they needed a house for Martin, his wife, his three kids their nanny and their pet turtles to stay <laughs> for six weeks. So they moved in and then they, uh, Chris and, and, and Mary Lou moved back in when they left. But the Milliners always stayed in touch over a, a long time. And I found another interview with a newspaper guy talking to Milner in 1993. He passed away in 2015, by the way but that he remembered Mary Lou and Chris and wondered how they were doing and remembered the house on Dolphin Drive and he said, did they ever find the turtle? <laughs> they, his daughter just every, every year she just asked, I wonder if our turtle's still in Florida. And you know, they live forever. But Brian, I want to take an aside in a second. I saw a friend of ours at, at lunch the other day, Denny Packey. Oh, yeah. And I was telling him this story. He got to the turtle party and says, tell oh, Brian about, about the turtle we found out on Northeast Street. <laughs> Brian's driving along and all of a sudden this truck in front of him slams on the brakes and here Denny jumps out and there's a turtle crossing Northeast Street <laughs> by the viaduct. It was a viaduct, I guess. Yeah, I was, just, I was just going home from work. Uh, it was actually a Sunday morning. I just went in for a couple hours and I'm, I'm going down East Street and... I thought I saw something in the road, and I thought, "What the heck is that?" And and uh, when I got up real close to it, you could see it was a turtle. And I looked in my rearview mirror to see what was going to be the fate of the turtle because there was a <laughs> truck coming. And sure enough, the truck was Denny Packy, and he he stopped his truck in the middle of the road. He stopped uh, traffic. He picks up the turtle, walks it across the street, makes sure it's safe in the grass, gets back in his truck. And that's when I wrote a little letter to the editor saying, you know, that we had witnessed that. Yep, and, yep. and Denny's good deed didn't go unnoticed. Well, the next day at work, he brought me a box of turtles. <laughs> Not real turtles. We're talking about candy. Candy yeah. turtles. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Meanwhile, but, that uh, turtle was making its way from Florida to California. Why does a turtle cross the road? Yeah, that's what Denny asked me to, to ask you. He suppose that's a turtle from Florida, from, Cape, from Dolphin Drive down in, in Cape Coral. But, but anyway, so that was kind of her connection. Uh, just in, in going through all this, from milking cows and, and before dawn over in, in, in Bradford uh, to playing for the Ballhawks, uh, from what Dot would tell me, you know, Mary Lou was, was a bright, young, perky. Obviously, she was an outgoing person, perfect for a job to go around and sell yes. lots to these people. That, Absolutely. You know, what uh, a great personality. Yeah, and, and they were building the whole thing up. Uh, <coughs> I did some checking. And uh, Cape Coral has gone up to 200,000 population now. I mean, it's the wonderland or whatever. There was another movie film down there I found that Phyllis Diller was in or something. That's probably what she was in there being shown around. Uh, but, but anyway, she was a part of all that. Do you know what Carl did? What was his uh, background? You know, I, I, really, I really don't because by the time I, I met him, I'm, I'm sure he was retired mm -hmm. at that point. But I just knew that, that, that uh, one, they made a great couple. They, they yeah. really did. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, but they had their, their separate monies, and, mm -hmm. and, and uh, you know, no money worries, I don't, I don't believe at all. Mm -hmm. But uh, just, just super people. Wasn't she named like a friend of the parks or something? At one yes, time? absolutely. We, had a, we started uh, back in the 90s what, what's called uh, the Friends of the Park, or fr Friends of the Park District. And, you know, we give that award out uh, yearly to people that go above and beyond for the, actually the children of our community. So... Uh, any time that we needed something down there, you know, Mary Lou and I would talk, like I say, monthly, and she would say, what do you got coming up, Brian? And, and she was very, very partial 
to trying to pay for kids baseball and softball mm-hmm. because of course she she had that softball yep. connection yep. Mm-hmm. but she would send me a thousand dollar check uh, every year every other year and put it into what we called the jerry nell fund which was uh, a fund that we set up once again back in the late 90s to remember jerry nell the the great uh, director of the parks and recreation Park before i was mm-hmm. But uh, it also paid for for kids that could not afford. It was for underprivileged. Uh, yeah, kids. Under, yeah, underprivileged and couldn't afford uh, to pay their baseball and yeah, sort of uh, a scholarship thing. fees and yeah. soccer fees actually. So mm-hmm. she was very anything that had to do with kids and and people that that didn't have much. She was very very sentimental to those people because I'm pretty sure that's how she grew up. Well, and you know, someone like this looks like they were larger than life. Looking at you know, yes. I, I see what what Chris Ketridge saw in her probably. But uh, they were up at the time. Uh, they would have been up in the building on First and Tremont Street, you know, which was the big Star Career building where it was, you know, two or three floors and everything was going on. And it was like the old movies, you know, yeah. where you, somebody else stopped the presses and they were down in the basement and reporters running around and all that kind of stuff. Had to be a, a great time. Chris is interesting. Uh, I did a little looking up on him when I was trying to get his death date and stuff like that. He started as a paper boy, you know, when he was 10 years old. Um, Born in 1892, of all things, oh, and uh, and uh, uh, worked his way up through the ranks at the Star Courier. And he said that uh, when they did a great big half-page story on him when he retired, I think Bob Westland wrote a separate column on him and everything when he retired in in '61. Um, his his favorite story was playing a clown for a day for the Cole Brothers Circus. Apparently, they came to town. And uh, Sean, how would you like to get dressed all like? <laughs> you see how it is from the other side of the of the lens there. Uh, but he spent the day as a clown, and that was the, the story he remembered doing the most was being a clown for the Cole Brothers Circus. Also, another story on Chris Kettridge was that he and another one of our friends from the Star Courier, the legendary Annette Renan, were involved in 1946. That would have been before they were married, and and uh, uh, while Chris was still editor. Uh, the day they shot the sheriff. Remember, we did the story oh, in yeah. Byron Pierce from 1946. Well, Chris and Annette. Annette had just started. She was right out of high school, and she was an intern or whatever at the Star Courier. And they had her grab a camera, and she followed Chris, and they went over to that farm over northwest, northeast of Cambridge, where this crazy farmer had, you know, shot the sheriff and had everybody, you know, at bay. And they hid down in a ditch, and you know, while the bullets blew over their heads and all kinds of stuff like that. So, I mean, that that's really covering the news, you know. You go out and, uh, like I said, he was the reporter's reporter, the editor's editor. But he was there for uh, 60 years, they said, uh, nearly 60 years he worked at the newspaper from in one capacity or another. So I could see where, and then the baseball connection, you know, with him, with his interest in baseball and her being with the, the ball hawks and all that kind of stuff. But the ball hawk era was, was so much like, like the league of their own because those girls were just free as a bird going around having fun, uh, packing them in. They used to have 3,000 people at a time out oh, of yeah, Windmill Park. Great. Uh, out there. I've often wondered how they got them in the park, but if you look at the bleachers, uh, there's like a, a bowl behind the bleachers yeah. where there was a much bigger bleacher, probably wooden uh, thing set up in there. Do you remember when that was there before they put those in? Oh or? yeah, we we actually took them down, so that was after 95 when they came down, but uh, those stands held a lot of people and then it was really set up really nice because behind there then you could bring your own chairs or stand or whatever mm-hmm. and watch them. And, and you're right, they had, you know, a couple, 3,000 people at every game. And mm-hmm. it was kind of funny, too. I, I had actually had the privilege of being their last, last bat boy. <laughs> That's right. I knew there the was a connection The last couple of years, yeah. they, were, they were in existence. That was uh, in the 70s, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was early 70s. I 74, I think, was the yeah, last year. Yeah, there you go. 
Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, last few years, I ended up being their bat boy, and it was really a lot of fun because they take me on the road trips. Oh, you know, and we go well, to, I've heard stories about the road trip. Yeah, and, and we go to play to peak and the lads and, and, you know, whoever. Had a great time, and we always stopped at A&W to get something to eat. So that, and plus, I got paid $2 a game. That was big money. Big money back then. That was big money back yeah. then. But uh, I had, you know, I got the new uh, Mary Jane Waterman, Snooks, and, mm -hmm. and Wilmotegler, you know, Dutch. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I got to meet a, a lot of them uh, players and, and got to know them. And it was just really like a neat little family. They started out in uh, just looking at the history. Of course, when they did the, the mural up here, you know, on First Street, um, 1948, they were called the Merchantettes. And this was in the pre-Grace Larson days. They uh, all the merchants sponsored them, and I forget how it. I don't didn't get into how it happened, uh, but then uh, in, in 19 a couple of years after that, 1950, 1949, uh, Grace Larson stepped in and took over and ownership and management or whatever of the team, and they got sponsorships. You know, they had fundraisers and became more of a, a, a private enterprise. Uh, became a team instead of just sponsored by a whole bunch of, of merchants where they had the names on the back of the shirts and about like you do the little league and stuff like that now. But, but yeah, and, and like I said, I think Mary Lou was probably uh, the pioneer in that group that started the whole thing out. I'm not sure how much she played really for the Ball Hawks, but that was all kind of that group, you know, which I, which I every time I've, I've seen the League of Their Own, I think of that bunch and how they oh, were yeah. riding around the countryside on, on a big bus and having breakdowns <laughs> and, and uh, having all the drama, you know, the, but they were young and I mean, that was, you know, yeah. and the thing of it was, that was after World War II when, when everything sort of changed in America and women were starting to explore new things and everything, it wasn't, uh, you can't do this and you can't do that, you know, the proper woman, you know, is not exactly what it used to be. Um, and then Mary Lou kind of example, when she went on and did what she did, you know, marrying Chris and going to Florida and, and setting the world on fire down, down there. Um, you know, she also was involved, she and Chris were involved in starting the Cape Coral Breeze, I believe I saw. She started out doing a little mimeograph newsletter for the, uh, for the uh, uh, Gulf American Land Company. And uh, that sort of turned into the Cape Coral Breeze. And, and Chris worked there and so forth. They knew the guy that ran it and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, Kind of a great life when you stop and, and think about it. And her, it's what her being a male lady as well. Yeah, it's what. Did the, her, and Mary Lou being a male lady as well when they came brought the mail in on. The oh boat. yes, I forgot <laughs> about that. That was her first job. Was they they, they yeah they had to go and pick it up and, and yeah. haul it across the bay or something like that. <laughs> yeah, she carried the mail over there to him, and I suppose she took a. That's how you get to know the people. You take the mail door to door. That's before the post office yeah. was even there. Yeah, she had to. I saw that in that interview. Yeah, uh, picked it up and then in a boat and brought it over and and, and passed it out. She was the mail lady uh, for Cape Coral, and of course they think a lot of her down here. That big story was you saw yay long with all mm -hmm. kinds of pictures of Bob Hope and Connie Mack and, and all that kind of Mack by the way went on to become a US senator after that so and they stayed in touch this interview in 1993 the guy talked to Connie jr. and, and got a lot of the stuff about Mary Lou and and Martin Milner and all that kind of stuff. Milner of course went on and did Adam 12 which is now in reruns on me TV or something so sure. I'm struck by something that you know she moves away to Florida in the in the 1960s and she doesn't even meet you until the 1990s. So all this time, she remains, she keeps this connection to Kiwani. Brian, what do you figure was it, what was it about the Kiwani that, that struck her so much that kept her connected to it for so many years? You know, I, I think really it was uh, the Bradford, Osceola area where she grew up and, and the hard times that they actually had growing up. I mean, uh, to see, like David said, to go from no electricity 
you know, to actually selling real estate in Florida. My golly, you know, how many changes has that lady seen in her lifetime? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't, I, I think, uh, yeah, her love was her childhood and growing up and the friends and, and the good times, actually, that even though they had nothing, they didn't know they didn't have anything. You know, mm-hmm. they, they just, they just survived day to day, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to watch and, and to listen to Dave talk about her history and, and where she ended up and then meeting her in the late 90s and, and uh, right around 2000 and keeping in touch with her the last 20 years or 22 or 23 years, however long it's been. Just a, just a great lady. And, and she would just perk up when I'd call her because, you know, I'd call her and I'd say, hey, Brian, this is Brian from Kiwani and give her a couple seconds. And, you know, sometimes she wouldn't pick up because she was eating or, so, you know, off somewhere. And other times she, she'd pick up right away and just say, oh, Brian, how you doing, you know? And she's just a wonderful lady, just just a wonderful lady. Well, and I think later in life, I think she stayed in touch with her old ball hawk friends, you know, like Dot and Wilma and, and um, uh, Cookie Matson and, or, um, you know, Snooky and people like that. And of course, they all hung around the golf course. And I think, of course, she golfed. She was a big golfer. Uh, one of the things Martin Milner remembered about Cape Coral was the golfing down there. He, he remembered three things, Dolphin Drive, Mary Lou and Chris, and golfing. <laughs> and the turtle, yeah, of course, yeah, I can't yeah. forget that. But I, I, I think that's where they hung out, and that's where she probably evolved. When she, every time she visited, she probably stopped by the golf course to yeah. say hi or maybe do a couple of rounds of golf or, or whatever. Uh, but yeah, she, uh, she kept uh, that kind of connection. And I'm surprised that I'm very impressed with the fact that you know, she stayed in touch with you and kept, yeah. supporting, the, kept supporting the park districts here in Kiwani, yeah, clear down from Florida, where a lot of people up here, if you mention her name, wouldn't even know who you were talking about. Exactly, David. And, and honestly, I, I talked to her family just this afternoon. And uh, they want to come back to Kiwani and, and do a memorial for, for Mary Lou. Oh, okay. And uh, they're going to plan that at the end of May or early June on a Saturday and uh, try to get some people together here. I believe she's going to be uh, buried in the Osceola Cemetery. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't find it. I, I think I saw that in one of the obituaries. Osceola Grove was the, the burial yeah. place over there, uh, the rural Elmira. Elmira. That's between Bradford and Elmira out there. Yeah. Uh, beautiful cemetery. Yeah, that's probably where her family is buried, maybe her parents or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I just found that out today. And so there will be a, a memorial service get together of some sorts. You know, coming up here, like I said, in May or early June, and and I certainly would invite everybody out. You know, mm-hmm. when when that gets planned. Well, we'll have to yeah keep in touch about that. I did find one other thing I wanted to close with. One of the neighbors that they talked to, and I can't remember her name. I didn't write that down. But when this guy did the story in '93, um, talking about you know uh, Mary Lou and, and getting some reflections on who she was and everything, uh, this woman said, "Yeah, Mary Lou's life was full." and she never uh, wanted recognition for all that she did. She was just a giving person who gave through love. You know, perfect. That's, yeah, that's your epitaph right there. Very uh, perfect. Yep, and that was, that was after she'd passed. You know, they were remembering her down there in Cape Coral. So next time you're in Cape Coral, Sean, you know, you gotta look up the Nautilus Motel and the Surfside <laughs> Restaurant and <laughs> Dolphin Drive, and, and the, the house is probably still down there somewhere. Uh, but yeah, she was part of, and here again, as part of a growth time in America, I mean, to be part of, it's like going out west, you know, when people went to California, you know, with yeah. the gold rush and stuff, you're, you're part of creating something. Yeah. It's not just going down there to, you know, retire and, and hang around the village, you know. It's, uh, you were, I'm a, for her, I'm sure it was just her lifeblood was keeping things going and doing stuff for people. So, well, thank you, Brian, for coming in. Thanks and, for uh, having me. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's our life and times of, of Mary Lou Reed. 
Kettridge Griffith.